it's, it's been a long day, but nothing beats a nice, cool, chilled, refreshing, big can of sparkling water. <laughs> <laughs> That was really well executed. Mm. I have another um, can of sparkling water, um, but it's not liquid death. I will tell you later what it is. Mm. Bit of a spoiler, but yeah, this is actually the flavored one. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Exactly. Yeah. Welcome to another business design teardown where we look into darlings of design community, so companies and products that we designers love. Um, just to find if they're only fancy designs or are they good businesses as well. My name is Alan. I'm the founder of the DMBA. I am Franz, program director at the DMBA. And I'm Tom, an independent product designer and design strategist and host of the DMBA webinar series. And actually, we had a really good webinar event just last week with Kate Siuma, all about growth product design. If you weren't there, well worth checking out, really, really fun session. Um, very practical, exploring what product uh, growth product design is, how the role really bridges design and business, and how it's different to traditional product or UX design roles. So yes, very much enjoyed that. Kate was a fantastic guest, um, shared all kinds of examples of the kind of work growth product design teams focus on and how they're structured uh, and a really cracking sort of quick fire Q&A as well. So all killer, no filler, uh, our well worth the watch. So if you like the sound of that, and you should uh, go to d.mba forward slash webinars and you can download it from there and all the previous ones we've done as well. So on the subject of growth today, we're tearing down a beverage brand that's been on an incredible growth journey recently. I do believe, and you probably came across this fact as well, it's the fastest growing non-alcoholic beverage company on the planet and definitely the most fun. That is Liquid Death. We've already had Ooh. a little sample. I'm going to have another taste because this is the this is my, my first time ever actually drinking Liquid Death. Really? Yes. So um, the one I'm drinking is called Severed Lime and it's flavoured Lime-flavoured, sparkling one. I'm going to have another. Mm. So on, you man. have a sparkling one, right? Because they also have just the plain they do. water. I've got two cans with one. me. Those mm -hmm. those, those watching on, on YouTube, I've got the green, which is the severed lime. That's the flavoured sparkling water. And the just straight-up sparkling water. I couldn't get hold of the still one. Um, but yeah, it took, was quite hard to get hold of these i've got to be honest but yeah the only ones i could get with the sparkling but yeah nice so far so i'll be chugging on that through the episode apologies if uh, that gets picked up too much on the microphone um, <laughs> but yeah i've been really really looking forward to this one i've been campaigning for us to cover liquid death for a while so uh looking forward to getting into it but who are they might be looking at this and going hmm water i don't think so is it an energy drink a high strength beer what is Tom doing drinking on the podcast? How irresponsible. No, it's it's water, straight up spring water from the Alps, the Austrian Alps, friends. Yep. Probably now, quite local. That's also the uh, segue for me, what I'm drinking. I'm actually drinking exactly the same as you are. The Alps lime drink. Water. It's actually from the company that produces Liquid Death. Really? Yeah. Exactly. So Liquid Death is produced in Austria. I'll tell you more about why later. 
Um, and it's produced by a mineral water brand that I, like my family has been drinking since I was a child. Really? Like Frankenmarkt Mineralwasser. That's how ah, it's called. Does that mean, um, I don't know, Frankenmarkt fluid, fluid death in, in, <laughs> in Frankenmarkt is actually the town. So uh, that's an interesting, so little de detour about naming of mineral water. Um, naming, it comes from naming of beers in Austria. So beers in Austria and Germany, they are mostly named after the town that they are brewed in. So... When these companies also ventured into making mineral water and bottling water, now you got a lot of bottled waters that are called after the town that they are made. And this one is called Frankenmarkter because it's made in the town of Frankenmarkt. Yeah. Um, yeah. And mineral, Frankenmarkter Mineralwasser, that's just mineral water from Frankenmarkt. So pretty boring. <laughs> yeah, I've got to say, very different brand and naming strategy to uh, who we're tearing down today. But yeah. yeah, pretty much the opposite. But I think it's it's lime. So I oh, think we're actually drinking exactly the same thing. Cheers. Cheers, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought you, France, you would just open up your tap water <laughs> and it would basically be the same as uh, what Tom is drinking. Uh, minus the sparkling part because yeah. you live 40 kilometers away from the factory where yeah, that has sourced their water. So I'm guessing it's pretty much the same. That's why I'm drinking just a tap water because I'm 250 kilometers away. <laughs> I'm also just pretending that this is, <laughs> this is the same. It's still mountain water. Mm. We all have to imagine that um, when, when Franz turns his tap on, someone at the top of the mountain just like opens up a stream or something, <laughs> comes down to his to his glass. But um, yeah, good to know we're drinking the same stuff. But um, so yeah, just water, spring water from the Alps. Um, but what Liquid Dark Death have done to brand water is truly bonkers, exciting. And for me, pretty inspirational. This is a company that asked itself, what is the dumbest name for the safest, healthiest beverage possible? Um, and it turns out they decided that Liquid Death was that name. And that's a question, like what's the dumbest way to do this, that they continue to ask themselves when it comes to all aspects of their famously unconventional marketing, which I cannot wait to get into later. Um, they've mostly designed this brand, became the kind of impactful player in this market through design which is why we're tearing them down today with creative branding creative marketing their brand is their moat and that's one of the things we're gonna really dive deep into today and they they really took a tired stale category and injected some serious mischief into it and it's worked and like we said earlier it's now the fastest growing non-alcoholic beverage in the world so today we're going to tear down how they've done this with plain old water um i think liquid death is the only brand i can think of that has genuinely made me cry laughing with their advertising in the last few years. Um, <laughs> I know we're going to save some of the highlights for later, but they really are kind of killing it when it comes to very unconventional, quite edgy, um, quite rude. Pun intended. <laughs> yes. Killing it. <laughs> Humor. Deadly marketing. <laughs> Deadly. Um, okay. And yeah, they, they're sort of killing off the conventional uh, in this market, the expected. Um, 
And as they like to say as well, killing the plastic that they see as a real scourge uh, on the planet uh, as well. And their tagline sums that up when they say they want us to murder our thirst. Um, they also want to have a similar effect on the um, the plastic that is a big part of this industry. But yeah, what is the product? Well, we've already said it's just water in a can. That's that's nothing new. <laughs> Essentially, it's water in a can. <laughs> Although weirdly, I think it is still a novelty to get to get water in a can. It's becoming more and more uh, common now, but we've seen it in plastic, single use at least, uh, water in plastic for a very long time. But it's the packaging and the marketing that's like nothing we've seen in water before. Um, so yeah. I was very self-conscious getting this can out of the shared fridge in my office building today as it's still quite early in the day and this does genuinely look like a beer you know it's uh I'm sure I'm sure a couple of people were like mm, this dude having a bad day it's already on the cans <laughs> um at midday on a what is today? Monday. Jeez. Um, <laughs> On Monday. Happy Monday. <laughs> Beer if, at 2 p.m. <laughs> if you are listening to this uh, rather than watching the podcast, have a quick Google um, at Liquid Death. Have a look at the images of the can. So the can is a what they call a tall boy. So that's the, the big cans, the large sort of 16-ounce type, uh, if we're going in imperial measures, that typically you get like a beer in. So that's like differentiation number one. Um, when you do see water in a can normally, it's not this kind of can. It's a bit more like the one that Franz have, um, which I imagine is like an eight ounce um, narrow can. More like I'm very bad at this scale. So I can only tell everybody that what's Tom holding is an 05 can, half right. a liter. Ah, yeah. <laughs> and what I'm holding is a 0.33 can. <laughs> I don't typically talk in ounces, but this is an American brand after all. Yeah, um, And, it, you know, if you see this thing that I'm holding up now, yeah. or if you've looked at it next to a bottle of Evian or Fiji water in a supermarket, you are picking this up and saying, what the F <laughs> is that? Um, yeah, did they mix up beer with water? Exactly. Like someone the should get sacked in the sort of restocking department because, yeah, it absolutely shows up on the shelf. Um, and the, the second kind of thing that you notice about it is the graphic design of the can. Not just the fact it's in a tall boy, it looks like a beer shape that you wouldn't expect in the water aisle. It's the graphic on there. So first thing I notice, because I'm a designer and a bit of a type nerd, is the typography. It's yeah. the type of font you see either on a German beer house or like a metal band's T-shirt, not not on a beverage, let alone a water beverage. It uses, and you you might be familiar with this, um, Franz, sort of um, fractal style calligraphy, uh, cal sorry, calligraphy font, which is like traditional German type style. Yeah, um, beer, on beer. Yeah, it's on beer. And it's on old right. newspapers. Yes, indeed. I'm really drawn to it. Um, and I grew up loving like metal music and that whole culture. So it really speaks to me on a personal level as well. Um, but whenever I'm in Germany, I was in Cologne at the end of last year, I find myself like really drawn to those old beer houses that have the signage in this kind of typography. Um, it's so just unique. because of signage, right? You're just because of them. signage. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually not a big beer drinker to be fair, but yeah, it is, it is the sort of very unique um, and very evocative of like strong German beer and uh, and metal. Um, 
So yeah, what's the next thing on the can? It's that thirsty skull. I'm going to hold that up, see if you can see that, which really looks like it should be on the cover of a Metallica album. Yeah. <laughs> not, not on Or that. on a skateboard. Or on a skateboard, right? Yeah. Um, again, completely unexpected aesthetic for a, for a water brand. And then finally, there's that tagline, tagline murder your thirst. Um, like we said before, it's a typically sort of rebellious reference to hydration. But the founder says it's also a message to kill the plastic bottles, which, like we said before, is a sort of scourge of single-use water uh, and the beverage industry in general. So, yeah, absolutely, you can't ignore this thing on a shelf. And talking of plastic, quick question for you both. You might have come across this fact in your research, but do you know what percentage of plastic bottles sent for recycling actually end up getting recycled in the US? No idea. I did come across, so uh, I'll let you go, Tom, and reveal the fact. I'm <laughs> five, not going to guess. 5%, which is just horrendous. Yeah. They are collected, but then not recycled. Yeah. A lot of it is collected, not recycled, because of the. Uh, it's just so expensive. It's so much e cheaper to produce plastic than to recycle it. And also, um, a lot of plastics can't be reused effectively like aluminium can aluminium can be reused and recycled over and over again but plastic degrades enormously so if you've used a recycled plastic it might be towards the end of its usable life and did you come across the fact how like what percentage of aluminium cans get recycled is it like 60 something percent yeah 68 68 percent which is like a huge difference. What is that? Like twenty, almost like twenty, yeah, twenty times as much. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, what liquid that doesn't tell you is that the production of aluminium is also not very clean. So yeah, you would have to do a very proper benefit analysis to see which one comes on top. But yeah, I was definitely surprised by this top level statistic. 5% versus 68, that does seem a huge, huge delta there. And I don't know if that's the same globally. I was really, really surprised by that, though. Quite disheartened by it because I try and recycle as much as possible. You know, try and avoid plastic, but sometimes it's unavoidable. But to think that 95% of it is just going into landfill, very depressing. Um, so, yeah. And like you say, Alan, absolutely right to call out that... Single-use water, I mean, there's a problem there anyway, um, and aluminium is not um, not without its own environmental issues. But yeah, and I think we'll talk about this later and we when we talk about marketing, that that's not their main tagline. That's not what this brand stands for. It's another thing that they like to um, add. Indeed. Um, kill Indeed. plastic pollution. But yeah, I think we have established already now that it feels like there is something there, they mention it, but it's not like we are already doubting these statistics and we're already bringing up that, well, it still is a single-use thing. So is it really better? One cannot know, but it kind of works as a another message on of this brand. Indeed. And I know we will look into that in a little bit more detail, which brings me on to the target audience for this. Like, who's the target audience for liquid death? Well, the target audience for water is everyone <laughs> will need it um i do think there is an audience that is 
environmentally conscious, that consumer, I think, is drawn to a can uh, over a bottle. Um, so those are concerned about the environment and impact of plastic waste, uh, yep. looking for an alternative, I think would, would <laughs> gravitate to this. But I think the more um, interesting consumer target market is probably the more health conscious and those wanting to like drink water and may maybe in an environment where that might have been trickier before or someone is trying to reduce their alcohol intake say out and about or on an evening out or a party um i have to say i'm one of those people who increasingly doesn't drink alcohol and have been experimenting with like low alcohol beers and non-alcoholic wines and whiskies and things like that and actually sometimes you just want a water and actually just you know having one of these might feel a bit more interesting a bit more acceptable it's a shame that you would need a brand <laughs> like this to be able to make it feel okay in that environment. And I did hear someone say, you know, is your masculinity that fragile that you need this kind of rebellious, like, rock brand to make it okay to drink water? Uh, and I think there's something in that. It's a shame. But I think that's the culture that we're grappling with, particularly in the UK. I don't know what it's like in the rest of Europe where there there is – there is still, particularly in male groups, a bit of a masculinity issue when it comes yeah, to definitely. not drinking. Also here, like in Slovenia, if you don't drink beer with, with friends, they ask you like, why are you drinking water? Are you sick? Yeah. You know, like <laughs> that kind of comments. So when I was going doing research for this episode, I came across a really cool YouTube comment that kind of salt liquid that to me. So if, if, if I would be on a party, I would probably pick it up for this reason. So let me just read it for you. So a person said, I'm not alcoholic. So liquid that's beer like packaging has really helped me blend in at parties. It really helps to cut down on the, Oh, you don't drink. Why conversations a lot. Mm. Yeah. Completely <laughs> relate to that. You know, I think it's becoming more and more acceptable to not drink alcohol, but um, sometimes you don't want like the alternatives which are sugary and stuff like that. So yeah, I I can absolutely see why it why it appeals to that market because it appeals to me. Um, and then I think younger generations, particularly millennials and Gen Z, are drawn to brands with a sort of strong identity, unique branding, stand out from traditional offerings. And I also think it tends to be that demographic which is trying to maybe cut down on reliance on alcohol uh, as part of their culture as well um so yeah liquid death sort of edgy branding and marketing appeal to younger consumers who sort of value that authenticity and brands that don't take themselves too seriously i think they really really um sort of appeal at that level as well and i've even heard parents saying that liquid death has made their kids want to drink water <laughs> which is wild right actually making water cool i really like the so the reason for that because um it wasn't that they felt the brand was so awesome it felt like it was something that they were not supposed to have yes rebellious right yeah so okay this looks like a beer so i'm not supposed to have that drink that and then mm. all of a sudden it does get interesting because even as an eight-year-old you feel like well i'm now doing something that's not exactly allowed so i that's why I like it. Here's the idea. What if we take carrots and other veggies and put them in a cigarette packs? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that help kids like get 
eat more healthy? When I was young, it was just uh, cigarette uh, candy, right? It was, I don't know if you had yeah. that kind of stuff. Gums, right? Yeah. yeah. It, well, yeah. it'd be like just, just like sugary sweets, but they were in the shape of cigarettes. I really hope the kids don't have those anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, th- I never made the transition to, to actual smoking, which is, which is good. But um, yeah. I can definitely see the rebellious aspects being appealing with this brand for sure. Um, So that's a few of the sort of target markets, but I think we've already covered the kind of design aspect of this brand and why that's so central and kind of why we're tearing them down today. I think there's a few reasons why designers should be interested in paying attention to the story of Liquid Death. First of those is it's sort of textbook brand differentiation strategy. Um, we talk a lot about why differentiation is such a strong business strategy. We've talked about it in loads of these teardowns before, but this for me feels like one that's completely driven by design and creative, um, which is is kind of unusual. We've seen it played out a few times before, but for such a strong um, personality to come out through that creative as well, but also to be experiencing the growth they are because of that, it's like pretty interesting and inspiring stuff yeah second thing is yeah maybe a slightly controversial one um is designers believing a bit more in trusting their their intuition um i listened to a couple of really interesting podcasts with the vp of creative at liquid death andy pearson and he talks about the fact that Liquid Death don't have, as he pulled, calls it a fucking brand book. And he's like, and no one reads that stuff anyway. So, right? It's like they understand, they use their taste, their experience, and their intuition to go, does this, does this fit? Um, and I think very often there's a lot of dogma and process and creation of like patterns and brand books in our field in design which actually with enough experience, maybe you can trust your intuition and taste a, a lot, lot more. And I, I definitely think as you become more se- more senior, you it's a kind of powerful breakthrough to have of going, I've seen this enough before, I kind of recognize what might work and can trust that yeah. a little bit more. And this is a company that totally, totally gets that, you know. Driven I'd by. love to come back to this point again when we later talk about uh, their content yes. they bring out because when we do that we will realize that everything is different mm-hmm. like every campaign every video that they have feels like completely different and you don't feel there is a common thing and we'll talk about it later but still it's not branded there is no pattern no brand book no this is how we do stuff no the only thing that everything is in common is this what the f like that's yeah. weird that's the only thing that everything they put out have in, having has in common but everything else is different totally yeah and I, yeah we, i want to dive into that with you i've got a bit more to to cover on that as well some really interesting stuff the the, the another quote from that same interview uh, and he says you get to that point in your career where your first idea might be your best idea and that comes with experience and intuition. And I often find that, like, you're told, what, get through that first idea. It's probably going to be shit. Keep iterating. And actually, you know what? Occasionally, you might, like, just through the fact that you've been doing this for a long time and you, uh, you've you seen things play out before, you've had successes and failures, you might actually get there first time. <laughs> and actually believing that as a designer in modern design practice is quite hard. Um, 
but yeah, quite a, quite an inspiring story of doing that. Uh, and then finally, I just think it's always super inspiring to learn about an organization, a company, uh, especially a cool one that's that's been founded by a true creative. We don't have that many sort of designer founders that we can point to. On this scale, right? On this scale. Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right, Franz. It's, it's about the scale. Um, we've had it in the sort of digital product space a bit more. You know, Airbnb has always been the big one. Uh, you know, Brian Chesky and Joe Gebbia, like for, for Airbnb being designer founders, but really not that many. Um, and yeah, for Liquid Death to be founded, led by, by a seriously creative dude is, um, yeah, it's another really inspiring example of what designers can achieve. <laughs> yeah, Tom, tell us more about Mike. Yeah, Mike. So Mike grew up in bands, as you might uh, you might expect. Uh, he played <laughs> a lot of guitar. He skated a lot. Who'd have thought it when you look at um, the kind of brand that he's ended up uh, creating? <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, that was kind of my youth a little bit as well. So again, um, one of the reasons why it sort of appeals to me. Did and you also play in a band, Tom? No, I used to play guitar a lot. I was I was not good enough to be in a band, but I was like banging to playing guitar and metal and all that kind of stuff, the whole sort of subculture. Um, and although his band got offers to like sign recording contracts, he was way more interested in design, designing like flyers and T-shirts and the promotion side of being in a band, the branding and the business side of music. So rather than pursuing a career in music, this drew him to a career in creative and he worked as like some really well respected kind of probably more boutique creative agencies in the US but he's got like some serious design and brand chops uh, worked with a lot of lot of brands you'll have definitely heard of um, but in 2009 a friend of his got him backstage passes for the Warped tour which I'm very familiar with um, if you haven't heard of it it's like a sort of touring a punk festival so it goes to like most of the seas in the US occasionally comes to Europe as well and um usually in the summertime as well and yeah he was backstage and the whole event was being sponsored by an energy drink brand Monster Energy I'm sure you've heard of them never actually tried Monster myself it looks disgusting that's for me one of the anti brands yeah for like it's real. almost like anything that has monster in it on it is already a turn off for me <laughs> <laughs> but that's because that's because you're Austrian, France, and you have Red Bull, right? So yeah, Monster was yeah, always the yeah, <laughs> yeah, so Red Bull is even closer than Fuck Magda. Ah, really? <laughs> yeah. So he he was going to he mm -hmm. going to this these gigs, and um, you could see all these cans on stage. So there was like Monster died everywhere, as you'd expect, because it's sponsoring the the shows, and the band members were all chugging away on these monsters, and he's like, "That's mad." They're like in the soaring heat. Like, doesn't make any sense. So he asked one of the band uh, members, like one of the lead singers, how can you drink that stuff all day, you know, bouncing around in the heat? And he's like, we're not. It's water. So it's actually cans of Monster that had been filled with water instead, which he was like, that is so fucking sneaky. But the truth is, most of them don't want to drink that junk all day. Let's be honest, it is junk food. Um, particularly not when you're playing and you're out in the heat all day. Yeah. But energy brand drink, uh, energy drink brands, one of the few ones sort of throwing money 
um, at alternative music tours at the time. So you take the dosh, but um, yeah, he didn't have this like that wasn't the moment at which Liquid Death became the thing, but it certainly stuck in his brain. Um, as something that you draw on later. The thing that really stuck in his brain though was why aren't there more healthy products like the water that was in Monster that have sort of funny, cool, edgy branding? Because let's be honest, it's usually the stuff that's bad for us, junk food, that has that kind of branding, right? Yeah. I'm sure you can think of a few, right? Snickers, Doritos, Red Bull, who we've already touched on, right? They're the ones that tend to have these sort of viral advertising campaigns and yeah. quirky stuff. You don't get it with water and tofu and granola. <laughs> it's, it's more wholesome, <laughs> no, right? No, not at all. <laughs> uh, That's true. There was one exception. I think Oatly did that. I mean, this whole story like reminds me of Oatly very yeah. much, mm. which is also a company built around the beverage, um, but relying heavily on marketing that was edgy enough to differentiate in this space. Um, so yeah, Oatly did does have a little bit more innovation on the product side. It's not literally water wrapped around in a nice marketing, but it is some like innovation there. But still, it's a similar playbook. Yeah, it is. it's one of the few healthy brands that come to my mind when I think of edgy branding. Yes. True, and we talked about this quite a lot. Yeah, true, good catch. So he was like, he wanted to experiment with this idea with the brands that he was working with in creative and, you know, humor was not landing well with a lot of these, these brands, but he did eventually get a, an opportunity and got to pitch to an organic, organic milk brand called Organic Valley. Um, they wanted the agency that he was working with to come up with a campaign for a protein shake that they were making. Um, and obviously the, the demographic that are normally chugging on protein shakes are like gym bros, right? Like hench, swole dudes at, at the gym. Not the kind of people who are typically buying a, a brand like Organic Valley, quite a wholesome uh, sort of country-style brand. Have either of you seen the campaign that I ended up working on for um, Organic Valley? Yeah, I've seen the campaign and also, I've also seen the brand that it was for. Mm. And first, I think we need to draw the picture of the brand what what is it called again organic valley Paint organic valley yeah how would like, you describe it this is like the uncool version of oatly yeah like organic valley when you look at this this is like the you see oatly and you're like okay cool and then you see on the bottom shelf the let's say boring old alternative and that was that's the brand that now we're talking about. It's almost like the original Oatly brand. Do you remember? Like, it, yeah. it's, there is a real parity there of like the Oatly brand felt a bit like that, and then they brought in the Uber Creative to to switch it up. But yeah, you're right. Like, I don't think you'd look twice at it on on a shelf. Um, and they were trying to stand out with the kind of people who care about protein intake. Um, but actually, they were trying to target beyond people who just go to the gym all the time. And we know that that's become more of a thing that people are being encouraged for better or worse to take in more protein so they came up with this campaign they pitched this idea save the bros which was this sort of um video campaign saying um that the type of protein drinks that people in the gym big lads in the gym were drinking was so full of like artificial 
flavors and ingredients and things like that, that actually it was going to kill them because they're drinking them in such uh, high quantities. So it was almost like a sort of charity TV campaign uh, to save the bros by drinking Organic Valley instead, which is this like organic, simple version. And he said he pitched this idea and they almost killed it before it launched. Like, no way. Managed to get it through and it went completely viral. Had something like nearly 5 million views of the Save the Bros video and was, yeah, a real sort of breakthrough campaign. I don't think Organic Valley went on to, to big things, but it showed that that creative direction that sort of cheeky, irreverent, humorous direction that Mike really believed in could work and could work in unexpected places. So that really gave him the encouragement. And he was always looking for opportunities to sort of bring that humor as a creative strategy. But he was constantly finding himself working with brands not as brave as him. Um, and the need for signed of creative fulfillment led him to start his own brand where he could have complete creative control over the marketing because ultimately he was too frustrated yep. working with these existing brands. So this venture would start Mike's journey towards liquid death, but via a far less healthy beverage than water as it <laughs> turns out, um, Franz. Yeah, exactly. Because the, his first company that he founded wasn't actually liquid death. It was a craft brandy bread. Mm. So alcohol. Um, yeah, he was just, um, close to this topic. I think I listened to an interview where he just explained that he had a big network of friends who were quite into this bar culture. So friends working there, I think even a, a girlfriend at this point being, uh, working in a bar, knowing a lot about mixing cocktails and liquor brands. And he decided to go into that. Um, and I find that interesting because it shows that, it was basically about creating something to be able to create your own brand. So he wasn't the diehard, let's make a healthy water, let's do something that's good for the world. It was like, hey, let me just create something so I can create a brand. So I don't have to pitch my ideas to somebody else who will say, well, nah, that's too risky or that's too dumb or that's too that's not going to work for our target group so it was more like let me just create something so i can do what i can do well and also what i like doing um and this is why he created um this craft brandy brand and actually it um was as far as in it was on the shelves so he created a brand he found somebody to produce it um but long story short um brought it to market but didn't really take off uh, there was some conflict in the founder team. Um, regulations was completely like he completely under, uh, uh, un, he did, did not expect the amount of regulations that one would have in a, um, alcohol brand. Um, so he just, um, yeah, sold his share and actually stopped doing, um, stopped doing this project. Just one thing on this. Like if you are a person who really, is strong in branding or loves would love to do more branding then i think choosing this category water but also just beverages is a really smart move um as opposed to choosing a category of product where product needs to do the heavy lifting like i don't know creating a software creating a car just like something that's much more yeah complex because 
in this industry, in the beverage industry, branding is a big part of the product because the product itself is almost like a commodity. We can see it with Coke. We can see it with so many different beverages where yep. basically the, the recipe and the beverage is the same. It's more just about the positioning and what kind of message you're sending to other people who are drinking. And that's what I find also very interesting in this story is that he knew which category to pick in terms of the product. He yeah. didn't just go after something completely unrelated where he would have to do the product work. He literally picked the easiest thing as his second step, right? The first one was alcohol. The second one was water. Water is water. You know, there's yeah. nothing to invent there. That's you're, that's so interesting that you're mentioning this because now this was his first experience, right? So you go into a very small, his first pick was a very small category brandy was kind of a dead ca uh, category is maybe still i'm not that of an like alcohol drinker to be honest but still brandy doesn't sound like a big thing also when i think about um a cocktail menu it's also not that brandy is on top shelf right uh so this was one direction that he first went into because he felt like he knew people in there and it was a small and it was a small category that uh, maybe was easy to take over but then his next um venture was actually liquid death and going into water and now alan you're saying well that is for a good branding actually an easy um or an, an interesting category I would say when you see, when you look at this from a startup perspective, it is maybe even one of the worst uh, the worst. Uh, I didn't say it's easy. Yeah. I think it's a good fit for someone who is into branding because there is a lot of potential, and you can do you can generate a lot of value with branding potentially. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'm not That's, saying it's easy. Yeah, the thing is uh, that when you look at it from a traditional market research perspective, then water is one of the like let's say unattractive industries for a startup ever right because it's highly commoditized everybody's basically having water water is water um they are also competing on let's say mostly the same um mostly the same attributes right so more natural more clean more well-being more like everything goes into the same direction, right? Margins are tiny in a commoditized industry usually. Um, and it's also controlled by huge companies with like the deepest pockets ever. And we're talking about Nestle and PepsiCo and Coca-Cola. Like this is the, uh, the companies that um, are controlling this. Um, and interest interestingly exactly this is now now comes in what alan you just said right Ex exactly in such a market you can do something that is different and it's a very interesting field for branding um and that's also one of the um one of the realizations that they had was hey okay let's do a water brand that is fun that is different that is memorable that is entertaining um because there is this space in the market because everything in water is into one direction 
but at the same time, we also need to be aware of the fact that we are competing against companies with huge buckets uh with which with huge budgets meaning that and we buckets need, and bucket <laughs> and buckets yeah meaning that we need to uh, we need to compete not only with marketing but we need to already compete with the product itself like they couldn't rely on that their marketing would lift the thing off, but the product itself needs to do a heavy lift, uh, a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to the the branding and when it comes to how it stands out. So a lot of the brand needs to be built into the product is what they realized. Um, and the product needs to be so interesting that people want to pick it up, What are asking themselves, what even is this? People need to feel the desire to find out because it's weird. Um, and that's how they approach the whole company from the outset, like being different. And they also had uh, a practical way to to bring this philosophy into life. Uh, and Tom already mentioned it in the beginning. It's this question that they keep asking themselves, what's the dumbest idea? Like what's the dumbest thing you could do? So this is as different as possible and that's something that they still do when they create marketing but that's also apparently how they came up with the name liquid death is literally the dumbest name for something as uh, like water like something that's so healthy this for something that's so safe it's the dumbest thing to call it liquid death right it's exactly the opposite of what water is which is the liquid life because exactly you die if you don't have it yeah same thing with murder your thirst. Like even this is weird. Like when you look at other brands, water, as you said, Alan, water is about life, right? Spring, nature, youth, well-being, live your life. But no, we are murdering uh, your thirst. Um, next thing is, yeah, as Tom already described when he um, described the aesthetics of the can is like making it look like a beer putting water into a can that looks uh, that has the same format as a yeah big beer and then um creating an aesthetics of the brand that looks like uh actually even i would even argue kind of a cheap beer yeah, like it not feels even like, like a stuff premium that beer. i would you would drink in the park um yeah which you know rebellious youthful slightly um probably slightly b bad for you if you i mean all alcohol is bad for you but you know what i mean like probably a bit too high strength for, <laughs> for yeah. most of us but yeah if i covered up like that bit of the can you'd be like god tom's on the strong ipas um but yeah yeah so when creating this product it was already clear that they wanted to make the product as different as possible uh, as dumb as possible in their words so it would actually do the heavy lifting for the brand without even, like you haven't even heard of this whole thing, but already by seeing the product, you're like, that's weird. Like, what? what is this? Um, but at the same time, interestingly, they also did blend in some value factors. So they, until now, the only thing you have is water in a can that look, doesn't look like water and has a dumb name, right? 
but they did pair it or they realized that they need something more to make it premium. Um, so they added the death to plastic um, slogan to it um, to, on the one hand, create a, also communicate value. Um, and they also, it was clear for them from the beginning that they wouldn't take what they call city water, but they wanted spring water, like actual good quality water. Um, and I think that was necessary for them to also justify their premium price point and not only make it a marketing gimmick, right? This is the thing, right? Like the, the, the cans are really expensive to produce. There's a reason why most big mm. water companies don't use cans is because they're, they're many multiples more expensive. So he had to fill it with something uh, that seems like elevated as far as the actual product in order to justify yeah. that. Um, I, sorry sorry to, to, to interrupt. Don't you find that uh, you can't just have... You can't just have one can of water, can you? It just, <laughs> you know, you always say I'm just going to go out for one, but Tom, Tom is already hooked. One comes, one turns into two, and um, yeah, <laughs> just just going in for a for a straight up and sparkling. Sorry, guys. Before you know it, you're before you know it, you're on your tenth can of water. Yeah, and, um, feeling like really, really. Oh man, I'm so hydrated. Um, yeah, before sorry. you know it, you will. Both been burping into the microphones. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know you're going to need a need a toilet break halfway through the podcast. But sorry, carry on. <laughs> I think uh, what you just said is interesting uh, in terms of obviously, if you go into this category, you want, you need to be a, you need to have a premium price point because by definition, your volumes will be lower. And by definition, your unit costs will be higher. We'll get into that maybe later uh, when Alan talks about financials. But you'll have to charge higher irrespectively if it's a can or if it's a plastic bottle or if it's a glass bottle because you will have lower uh, volumes from the get-go and somehow you need to um, cover your cost. So to me, it felt that these two claims of or these two features of first death to plastic and spring water and that was a conscious decision was necessary to kind of round up the brand because otherwise it is a pure marketing gimmick and we also realized that that isn't as long lasting maybe so if you do if you have a marketing gimmick which is a water that works because it's branded so well um, but then you still have the arguments that, well, yes, it's also death to plastic. We are doing a good thing. And this is actually good water. We are not selling you junk. This is healthy thing. So don't argue with that. It's mountain water. I think that was also a conscious and important decision to um, complement the other um, decisions around the brand. Yeah, you're right. Like you need to... Um Branding is there for people to feel connected to your product, but you still need to give them certain rational reasons so that they can justify this to themselves and to their friends. Yeah. Um, great point. Just one question, Fran. So from the get-go, Liquid Death worked with an Austrian supplier, which basically gave them a chance to talk about, to advertise this as water from the Alps. But from my research, I came across that then now they're moving, and we can, I'll go into reasons for this later. They're moving their supplier from Austria 
back to US. Do you know if those suppliers will also basically do they have spring water or is it going to be different? I tried to research that who the new supplier is, but I think so it was communicated that they would switch into 2023, but yeah. as of my knowledge they haven't switched yet. I so heard when they you... were going to go to it was a company in Virginia mountainous area um, that they they had found a spring, but yeah, I yeah. Think, I'm not sure if they have actually made the the switch, but it was going to still be, you know, I don't know if it's as high quality as your Austrian water, Franz, but <laughs> you know, still out of a mountain. Yeah, I think so. I think they have never. The reason why we talk about this is because I live in Austria and I live close to it, but they don't talk about it this no. way. They talk about mountain water, right? Oh, they, I did say Alps connect. at a certain point. They did say Alps. Ah, true. Initially, yeah. Yeah. Not anymore, though, I think. What does it say now say? Um, I'm just reading the can. But bear with you. Carry on, and I'll try and see if there's some sort. Of, <laughs> so it's uh, not on the on the t it's not on the front of the can. No, it, it says. It says oh no, I stand corrected. Um, it says sparkling water, carbonated water from the Alps. Um, okay. Whereas the severed lime just says flavored sparkling water. So maybe they're using their lower quality American <laughs> spring water for the flavored stuff, and maybe for the connoisseur. Um, you're still, <laughs> still, still coming straight from uh, Franz's mountains. Doesn't the black look really good? Yeah, yeah, it does look good. Yeah, it looks like um, Starkbier, like a very. How was the translation of that? Strong, strong like beer, strong beer, beer with higher percentage of. Alcohol. I don't want to throw this yeah. man away afterwards. It was hard enough to get hold of. I think he. Yeah. I think it would fit into your background. Yeah, into it the fits my aesthetic definitely. Uh, the reason why I said I think they're still producing in Austria is that on the website there is a water quality report because I wanted to find out if they're still producing in Austria and the water quality report says it's produced by this one company in, in Austria. So that's my state of knowledge. Um, but yeah, that's also an interesting story of like, now you have created a product, right? So they have created the idea for this product. They have created the um, the design, the the visual language, the actual language, the slogan. But you still need to make the product, right? And that's when the reality hit. So now we have gone through 2017 and 2018 when they created the um, when they created the um, the product, but they were not ready to make the product because problem one was, um, yeah, they couldn't fill somebody, uh, they couldn't find somebody who could fill water into cans. So it wasn't their first um, intention to find water from the Alps. Actually, um, they wanted to fill the water obviously in the US because why would you not do that? Um, so yes, I said, they wanted to have spring water and not tap water, city water, um, but not necessarily from somewhere else than the US. So they tried to find um, companies who were able to do that. And they quickly learned that you can only bottle water at the source. So it just doesn't make sense to find a spring, take the water, bring it to a facility and package it because that will 
just eat everything um, all your profits so you need to find a supplier that has a source a spring and at this place bottle or in this case can the water um, and that was just not something anybody could do in the US so there was companies who could put water into cans but they didn't have a source and there were um, companies that had a source but they couldn't put water in a can they just didn't have the facilities. Interesting. And I thought it was the reason they couldn't work with the US companies because they nobody would fulfill the quote unquote small order when they initially started. I think that's a similar, um, that's the second thought because you could also obviously say, hey, I'm Coca-Cola. Could you please build a bottling facility because I'm buying 7 billion of cans in the next five years? And then every company will say, Yes, let's do that. I'm all in. But for their um, for their uh, size of yeah, volume. their mm. initial order, for their initial volume, um, you're completely right. That was the reason um, that they couldn't find somebody. By the way, I went to this web to this company's website called Staatsinger. Mm -hmm. Did I pronounce this correctly, Franz? Staatsinger. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and because I was really trying to find what is the minimum order quantity that this company has in place. So what is the minimum number of cans that a company needs to order to work with them? And it is 125,000 cans, which also sounds a lot, but according to my calculations, this is around 10,000 to maybe $15,000 of order. So that kind of tells you that this, yeah, that if you have an idea for a beverage, this is a doable strategy. If you find a company like Please say it again, friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then you can uh, make it work. Which I guess for other companies, 10K minimum order is nothing. They want to just do much bigger batches. Yeah. So in this case, it was um, just by chance or basically they just Googled and also found this company in Austria. And they were already filling stuff in cans. And they were also at a water source. What they haven't done yet is filling actually water in cans. But for them, it wasn't a big problem because they were at the source and they also had a canning facility. So for them, it wasn't really a leap. Uh, it was just like, okay, yeah, we can do that. We can uh, take the water from our source and um, put it into cans. So that was the story about how they were even able to make the, the product, right? So produce the product. But the second problem was how to make it happen financially. So how can you even get the company from the ground in terms of how can I get the investment to produce my first batch? And I doubt that they were able to do that with uh, 10,000 um, uh, euros. I think that's only bottling, right? Or is it also content? It's water. It's both. Okay. So okay. the data I could find just a small detour is obviously we're talking about different scale, but Red Bull, it costs 10 cents to produce one can, mm -hmm. right? And it is not just uh, water. It is It does have certain ingredients. Um, so I just took this as the base, said, okay, water has to be similar price. So I just took this as a base. I'm guessing it's both. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Um, so situation for... Um, Liquid death at this point was that they did not have the money to produce their initial batch. 
Um, and yeah, everyone who listens to the, the podcast has learned by now that being different is a source of competitive advantage, but in reality, being different is, yeah, it might be a prerequisite for success, but being different is not a guarantee for success, right? In other words, only few very different ideas are actually successful and very many of them fail. And the water brand that is called Liquid Death and looks like a cheap beer was not an idea where investors lined up. It, it so that was just bananas, doesn't it, on paper? You can understand yeah. why he was getting rejected left, right, and center because there was no um, no precedent for this. You know, yeah. no one was going down this direction. It feels, would you, I mean, no pun intended, but does it feel a little bit of a blue ocean play of like, let's bring edginess into this arena that's not been there before? I don't know what the factors would be that they reduced on, but it feels like they, you know, no one had introduced that that competitive factor into here before. That's just me trying to shoehorn the word ocean into this podcast, but <laughs> there was no precedent. Yeah, I, I can, it looked really dumb. Yeah, I fully agree. It is so different that in the first place, it was also perceived as just dumb and there was just no investment to be um, yeah, landed by the company to actually bring the company off the ground. And as a result or as a reaction to that, they created an ad. So what they did was 3D render a can because the product didn't exist. They apparently spent 1,500 bucks on the commercial itself, um, a few hundred dollars for promoting the content. And within four months, they had 3 million views on the video and a page with more than 80,000 followers. And hundreds of messages that were asking, hey, is this real? Can I buy this? Where can I buy this? Even um, apparently... 7-Eleven shop asking whether they could stock the product. So real intent. And with that intent, they were actually able to um, yeah, land their first investment. And for them, it was $150,000. And with that, they produced their first batch with this said Austrian um, supplier. And they sold the product. They sold $100,000 worth of product in the first month on Amazon. So no listing, um, no supermarket, only Amazon direct consumer um, business. And they have more so, like followers on Facebook than like, is it Dasani, the, the one of the big water brands? And it's worth saying this advert, check it out if you haven't seen it. Like it's like the five years old now. Um, it, it's it's so encompasses the whole kind of edgy humor of liquid death into that. Yeah. It's like saying um, you think water's clean and healthy and good for you, but water kills loads of people every year, surfers and blah, blah, blah. And um, the, the woman who's acting in it is like waterboarding a dude at the end with a can of liquid <laughs> death, who is actually the CEO who's uh, tied up on that table. So it's kind of the the origin of what would become that kind of character and tone um, that we've talked about. So yeah, um, worth worth a quick watch to see see what Franz is referring to there. Yeah, their first 
let's say, viral commercial, right? And that really, um, let's say, was the final step of creating this brand that in terms, uh, in turn actually created so much um, desire and they were able to show so much intent that this brought them to getting investment and then um, also utilizing that to sell um, the product on Amazon. And now, um, well, all that is good arguments for further investments. Uh, we'll maybe talk about that later. Um, they got listed in real supermarkets. They got a um, deal. Their first deal was actually with Whole Foods, interestingly. So also not a company that is, let's say, exactly on the, uh, let's say, same brand ethos as um, as Liquid Death. But when you think about it, um, about the clientele, um, eco-conscious, um, being loyal and interested in brands, uh, it does make sense. It was a huge success for Whole Foods. By now, they are stocked in Walmart, Target, 7-Eleven, Tesco, you name it. And since then, trajectory for the company is was just going upwards, right? Now, we talked about founding in 2017. The product was actually brought to the market, so first sold on Amazon in 2019. Um, and since then, yeah, they got these deals with all these um, supermarkets. They have not only still in sparkling water anymore, they have flavored sparkling water as the one um, Tom is drinking. They have iced teas. Lately, they have death dust introduced a new product. Death dust, have you seen it? Yeah, like electrolyte mix or something, isn't it? Yeah, powder. Yeah, powder yeah. that is, yeah electrolyte powder that you put into your own water the interesting thing about the sparkling stuff that um actually having now tasted it on here i can totally see is the the level of um carbonation is meant to mimic uh beer so it definitely plays into that um this this flavored one is like a real alternative to an alcoholic drink it's very very lightly carbonated it has that sort of mouthfeel of of like a like a um a beer or something so yeah quite interesting cool that, do you actually i read that but i didn't believe it but does it actually yeah, taste it definitely like this comes through yeah absolutely um i know you can get all different levels of carbonation like in mainland europe you see that more and more like the level in the in the uk it's either like your teeth feel like they're fizzing their head off or it's still we don't really have all the in-betweens but um Oh, Germans have everything like yes, yeah. <laughs> different levels, all the different levels. But um, yeah. so for me, it feels really subtle, and yeah, it definitely does feel more like like a beer. So yeah, we can see where they've engineered that in. Yeah. Okay, talking about product, um, uh, that might be the the um, episode we talked least about the actual products that the company sells because that's already everything that i would mention about the product yes they have an iced tea they have flavored water they have this um they have the this um death dust, death dust stuff <laughs> uh but that's already everything that i would talk about the product itself because um what they have most i would say invested in and what they're most known for is their marketing and now i have a very important question for the two of you 
Have you already sold your soul to liquid death? <laughs> or are you still owning your soul? I need a lawyer to look at that contract first, Franz, just to make sure. Um, no, not yet. Have you? So you haven't sold your soul? I haven't sold my soul yet. What about you, Alan? I also haven't sold my soul. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not so, like... If you're now asking yourself, what the heck are they talking about? Well, that's actually how you join Liquid Death's email list. So now talking about like taking the most boring words, this is how they collect email addresses. They let you sell your soul. So they have a loyalty program that's called Country Club. And exact, it's exactly what you think it is. Like you get access to exclusive events and exclusive products. And the only thing that they want is your email address so they can market to you. Um, but you can't just join and, I don't know, join the newsletter or join the loyalty club. No, you need to sell your soul by signing an actual contract. That looks kind of real. It looks official, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... That's not the only way you can join their uh, country club. You can either sell your soul or you can pay a membership fee, which is $125,000. <laughs> so you don't, you don't need to sell your is soul. Is that what you did instead of uh, Alan? Uh, no, I actually sold my soul. Did you? Yeah, How I did. My soul, um, I didn't feel the difference. But I can tell you one thing. It was damn fun yeah. to do this. Like. It was the whole experience. When did you do it, friends? When I did, did it today. Oh, today. Okay, because you got sore throat last week and I thought maybe oh, that was... Uh, the sore throat related. is only because I was uh, singing, singing along the uh, greatest hates <laughs> that Liquid Death... <laughs> and because you didn't drink Liquid Death while singing. Exactly. So see how that all works here. So this is... Um, already making the point about their marketing. It's actually not marketing. It is entertainment. Yes. And literally everything they do makes you at least say what the F, right? So even if it's not your humor, you're like, all righty. So I might talk with somebody about this dumb thing that I just saw. But if it is your kind of humor, it's hilarious, and it's make you. It's gonna make you cry of laughter. Nothing's right? made me laugh proper, properly laugh at a products, advertising, marketing, entertainment like this has, which tells you all you need to know about how mature I am. Um, yeah, uh, I I spent so I was like you know talking to um, my partner and her friend was down for the weekend. I was like, yeah, this brand's, they'd never heard of it. So I pulled up the YouTube channel. We, the three of us spent an hour watching all of the Liquid Death uh, advertising and found it hilarious. Like we all were like, okay, I get it. Yeah, I, I don't think us three can probably describe well enough the, the, the edginess, the, the comedy, the humor, but also the production value. Uh, as well that they put into these things so definitely worth going off and having a look at their youtube channel and just getting a flavor for it because even i i you know i knew of liquid death i'd seen a few of their campaigns before but i didn't realize just how deep and how much of their budget probably goes on this stuff as well it's very well produced it's very irreverent it reminds me a bit the only other brand that 
feel like it has parity with as far as how much it's willing to, how edgy it's willing to be and how much it's willing to throw money at really dumb shit is um, Cards Against Humanity. I don't know if you're familiar with that that game. They do similar kind of stunts, similar kind of humor that a lot of people think is pretty distasteful. That's fine. You know, each to their own. Um, But yeah, uh, I find it very entertaining. (laughs) Yeah. So just to give you a little taste, if you have never seen that, you should go either on YouTube and watch some of that, or you can also just go on their website because one button on their main menu says time waster 5000 <laughs> so this is main menu of this company is time waster 5000 and this is just a collection of everything they've done and most of that to be honest is not ads this is proper high produced video content that's just intended to be comedy so that's almost like comedy central like you can you can either go into i don't know you can turn on your tv and uh find your comedy channel or you can go to liquid death and have a comedy channel there and it's nothing less than that yeah the production quality and everything as well like it is like something on snl um and yeah they 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 do like they get high profile people in as well to do these collaborations for these videos like Tony Hawk and Steve-O from, um, from Jackass and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know. Are you going to touch on any of the specific campaigns? Uh, I mean, that I wanted to talk about that, but uh, so what you just said, so we can, let's do one round. Favorite ad or favorite show of, um, of Liquid Death. What's yours, Tom? God, there's so many. Um, I liked the, the the one where they take like negative reviews. Oatly did this as well, I guess, but they've done it more extreme where they take uh, negative reviews and then try and turn it into content. So they had a couple of um, uh, people say that uh, Liquid Death tasted worse than the sweat off the back of a oversized chap um that was what they wrote like it tastes like back sweat so they actually set up a a taste test where they blindfolded people got them to have some liquid death and then to lick this guy's back and then decide which did they think was better um and they i think they did another one where they said it was like the people had written online to them saying it was the worst water by far tasted like it had been like got out of a ditch or something so they got these found these two dudes on social media got them to come and do a blind tasting of like 10 uh, water brands including liquid death if they got it right they won like a thousand bucks if they got it wrong they got electrocuted with a taser um <laughs> yeah. they, they both got electrocuted um those were some of my favorites um but i you know i found at least two-thirds of them absolutely cracked me up what about you alan as you know, I was more researching numbers than this stuff, but those few ads that I came across, um, I I giggled when I saw the ad with kids. Yeah. So it's basically kids. Um, I don't know they're probably like between eight and twelve years old, maybe more ten to twelve, and it looks like a um, like a college party. You know, like yeah. they're drinking and there is loud music and they're all drinking this beer. But hey, actually, it's no beer. It's not beer. It's liquid death. Um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoy that 
comedy, that situational comedy of projecting that this that this product is, you know, counter counter culture and that kids would love it. Yeah. At the other end of the spectrum, like they've got someone like Tony Hawk where they've like they show a video of them taking a vial of his blood and then they mix it into some paint and they actually may like produce these skateboards liquid death skateboards that have got like a bit of tony hawk's blood in it um they go to a few extremes with some of it but um yeah it's the interesting thing here is that most of this is actually creating stuff right mm. so this is not just making an ad this is not just telling a story this is really creating a uh a product like creating a voodoo doll out of here with steve-o or creating an album out of greatest hates like songs with the hate comments of people from the internet making this into um, an album that you can actually listen to on spotify and buy as a vinyl oh, and they've, you, they've also got like loads of like clothing merch which i'm looking at now and like i would totally wear this stuff it's really yeah. good they've actually got a metallica one which i'm you know one of my favorite bands i think i might have to yeah. buy that and dog bowl okay my, my dog's getting a new bowl and that's the thing that i um that i wanted to get to right they are not doing marketing for the sake of marketing they're actually creating stuff and as much as they are creating water they're creating content they're creating products they're creating merch they're having partnerships with burton and have a snowboard they're having partnerships with metallica and being co-host of their tour um so that is when you look at this website it's yes there's beverage and yes the, the like that's what how they make money but when you have a look at the um let's say distributed effort of this company and distributed investment of this company you couldn't even say whether this is now a beverage company or whether this is now an entertainment company yeah and now let me just read you the mission statement on their website which is the only two sentences that they have on the about page on their website so they say about themselves we're just a funny beverage company who hates corporate marketing as much as you do our evil mission is to make people laugh and get more of them to drink more healthy beverages more often, all while helping to kill plastic pollution. So even this one is not about like water and plastic pollution is the afterthought of this whole company. It's, a little, it's where, how they make money, but it's like, it's not the focus of the whole thing. It's a little ironic that they're now starting to put a lot of crap into the world. No offense. I mean, it's nicely designed stuff, but it is unnecessary. <laughs> I don't know how that aligns with their um, brand ethics. Uh, one thing that I did spot, which feels like it's gone full circle, which is kind of cool, is um, there's a big metal festival in the UK called Download. I think it tours, actually. It's probably in other countries. They're sponsoring Download, you know, from going from watching Monster sponsoring the Warp Tour back in the day uh, of all these alternative bands. They're now like the headline sponsor of um, Download, which is, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, There's actually a lot of, like, a lot of, people in that culture in the subculture who don't drink like i would say it doesn't feel like it would be like that in like metal and punk but the whole straight edge movement as well like um 
yeah, I, I can see where that's a, a good alignment. A lot of people, um, yeah. yeah, don't drink and do drugs and stuff in in that world. And I really like that you just said going full circle because they are now sponsoring this uh, festival. Um, I think we're also going full circle with um, content creation, humor, entertainment being the center of this company because eventually this is just what the founder just wanted to do. Like we were talking about he left advertising and uh, his career because he just wanted to do ads or marketing how he liked it. Then he tried to do this with a brandy brand and now he just does it with a water brand but actually water is more or less the vehicle for the whole thing the thing that the company actually stands for is an identity of being fun and the water is just one aspect in this um, and it just makes it even weirder that they're such a fun company on the product of of water and i would argue that If it wasn't water, we would see another product that is as unrelated to the content they're creating. And he would have uh, just founded a different, a different company. Would have been a different, um, would have been a different product. But the company would have looked very much the same. Yeah, yeah. If he'd picked up tofu or something, <laughs> who knows what he would have done with that? But. Um... I would love to, I would love to see people from his team go off and apply some of this thinking maybe not in such a cookie cutter way but the same kind of bravery with 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 other categories um, yeah but yeah speaking about other uh people also taking some of this um these learnings uh playbook so what can we actually learn from the company even though everything that liquid death does seems new and unconventional there is like bits of pieces that we have already talked about are kind of let's say strategy playbook like and have even been done by other companies as well um first things that always needs to be done is uh creating the moat right so finding this one thing that nobody else in this industry can do and i found a really interesting interview where he said well, you can just not do it with the product. Like water from the Alps is not a moat. A functional ingredient is not a moat. Putting water into a can like death to plastic is not a moat. Everything that you can do with um, a product, even though it's new, just helps educate people that cans for example are great but then coca-cola is gonna come copy it and also put water into a can but what is actually the mode for um for liquid death is the kind of humor that they're having no big company could do it in a way that they are doing it and it's a big bet because it is dumb humor and if you have a look at all these youtube videos and then you're like, I hate this brand. I could understand you because it's edgy. It's it's weird humor. And I can't watch half of their content because I don't like it. It's weird. But it's just a kind of humor that 
can still create your mold because nobody in a bigger corporation could ever do that and could ever create a, a brand like that. Coca-Cola right? would not be brave enough to do some of, half of the stuff they're doing. And if they did it, it would look so, excuse the pun, watered down because yeah. they would be so worried about target markets and focus groups and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they've said themselves, yeah. giant companies are too bad at creating brands. There's too much democracy in their words. That was from one yeah. of the creative um, team. There will be a focus group that is outraged by licking sweat off a, and I'm putting this into air quotes, fat person's back, mm. right? Yeah. So that and quite, no, and quite, you can't quite do rightly, that. You know, it's not for everyone. Exactly. <laughs> or a decision maker could fear to get fired because of, I don't know, creating um, a mascot that is basically a a, a comic man with a can for a head that goes around murdering like, people chopping that off goes heads. around murdering That's the people important detail um about that exactly. about that guy um, exactly and also from a brand perspective like brand teams within these big organizations they would be trying to carefully create curate things that feel like they always um have a consistent tone of voice visual look you know that's so carefully crafted in these big organizations whereas they, we've already said they don't have a sort of brand book. They go on intuition and they said yep. that they write it like a character. You talked earlier about it, how it's like watching a sketch show or a skit show. That's how they treat the brand, apparently. It's like writing for a character. As long as it fits the character, they'll do it, even if it yep. doesn't look quite the same. Um, I think that's a really different, interesting, very creative uh, led way of thinking about how your brand speaks to an audience yeah cool that's number one humor is the mode number two is uh and just to make it easier i'll just call it the virgin approach so i'm now i'm talking about richard branson virgin find a very stale business category and be the one exciting product in it so this discussion that we had alan right is it now a good or a bad industry well from one perspective, it's the worst industry that you can have, right? Commoditized, uh, huge companies, boring. dictate everything, <laughs> boring, like everything seems to be invented. But that's exactly um, also a chance. And that's what Virgin did many times, right? So it's not, uh, Liquid Dev did not the, first, um, not the first company that went aggressively into an established market and um took a slice of it yeah virgin tried with coke did they yeah yeah they had the kind of bottles that looked like a silhouette as well and really i didn't yeah, even know no, i remember that um but yeah you're right they, they their their whole thing is kind of bringing a slightly sexy edge to to things right in the way they do things um flying virgin atlantic is i guess a strong example of where that yep. does still work for them but yeah i think that's a great comp um <clears throat> yeah the virgin strategy yeah um a connected point to that and something that i think is also an interesting um perspective to look at that is looking for markets that are functioning very horizontally like 
you said in the very beginning, water, target group for water is everybody. But what if you could take a very horizontal company and deeply verticalize it? How, what if you could, yeah, verticalize a very horizontal product by creating a version of it that is fiercely targeted at one um, group of people? And we had similar talks about that already in our, in our podcast. So by on running, taking a very horizontal running company and then verticaling this um, category into going very deep into um, <clears throat> triathletes, right? So basically taking a vertical, deep vertical slice of a very horizontal market and then taking maybe only a tiny or small slice of a huge market um, and still making this a big enough um, business for for you as a as a young company. I did uh, one of the critiques that I was watching of the brand, someone who wasn't a big fan, um, I felt very personally attacked <laughs> in a humorous way when they were describing the vertical for liquid death, which is... Um, uh, white male thirty somethings who have a podcast. I was like, okay, cool. Ouch, ouch, zing. <laughs> ouch, I get it. I absolutely um, get it. I fit like I'm such a fucking stereotype. Cheers. Um, but yeah, that got me. The interesting thing is that if you vertical to one specific group, after all it's going to be always much wider. So here we're talking about parents that are super happy that their kids all of a sudden like uh, soda instead of, uh, like water instead of soda uh, because they think it's something that they are not supposed to have. Or people who typically don't make healthy decisions, right? So people who typically do not drink water. So you can even enlarge the market and that's, apparently something that liquid death was already um, surprised by uh, namely the fact how wide their audience actually was because obviously they had this idea of a very vertical brand and they made the bet of okay this is how we can um, create a big enough business for us to uh, exist and be successful but uh, what we have also learned is by going so vertical and going so um going so specifically after one group you are after all um also interesting for let's say unintended um other groups again talking about the tech bros wearing patagonia uh hoodies and on shoes or um yeah everybody wearing lululemon um shorts and so on so um, if you're really good at verticalizing a market, then um, it will spill over. Um, yeah, and the last part of a playbook would also be, um, and we mentioned it already, Red Bull. Um, I think they have pioneered this approach of not telling the story, but writing the story that you want to be connected with, right? So, and that's what Liquid Death really does really really well so don't tell the jokes no make a huge um make a huge um production out of this and make humor your central thing instead of having 
a uh, 15 seconds ad um, that tr tries showing people that you're funny. No, actually make things that are funny. Make a 15-minute infomercial where uh, somebody chops, where Martha Stewart chops off hands <laughs> to create candles. Or, um, yeah, do all these real things um, that are um, showing people who you are and not only talk about that. Yeah, Red Bull, I mean, you know, the product is not for me, but um, I still admire the the little cartoon TV adverts. Like, they've, they've really still owned that, like, quirky animation style and the, the the message. I think I think it works really well. Obviously, it's very different to, the, like, extreme sports side of things that they do. But, um, yeah, I think it's a really interesting comparison there, Franz, for sure. Yeah, that's that's where I actually wanted to point towards, right? So yes, they do have these uh, this character and their ads, but what they're actually good at is they want to be connected with action action sports. So what they are doing is, uh, I'm not just gonna sponsor an action sports uh, person. No, let me create action sports festivals. Let me actually have teams. Let me actually have um, clubs that do all that. Um, and I think that's the similar thing that um, Liquid Death does, just um, with an even broader approach, right? So humor is arguably broader than, let's say, one sports category. Yeah. And to, let's say, tick off this, um, let's say, stra uh, strategic playbook of Red Bull, on the one hand, what they're doing is investing in stuff that they want to be uh, connected with, right? To investing in Formula One, investing in other sports. What this does on top is hopefully or maybe finding the next big thing. So in a way, what Liquid Death is gradually doing is diversifying their portfolio, right? I guess just like Red Bull, their main source of income is still water, like it is the can of Red Bull for Red Bull, but still getting good at producing content, getting good at having merch that sells, getting good at, I don't know, having events um, will eventually also help them, um, yeah, create a different kind of business as soon as their growth with water actually um, wears off. Um, and I would say that's still far out for them, but this is also, uh, in my opinion, one reason why that is a smart move to to actually invest in other stuff um or take advertising branding and everything they do around content creation so serious because this might be the actual content of their company the actual business i love that because you look at the execution of that stuff friends and it, it is so the design is so tight the collaborations are so well thought through that if you didn't if you put the water business to one side, if it was just a cultural fashion uh, brand, you would be like, it's very cool. It's like very well thought through, high quality, well executed. So yeah, um, yeah completely. That feels like a very, uh, we're going to get on to, to, the, to the future of them, but that, that feels very exciting for them as a brand. And I can see that being a way that a lot of people touch the brand first. Um, when I was talking to my, my friend who came came at the weekend, we were kind of going through those adverts and she was like, oh, I've never heard of Liquid Death. And then we got to the skateboards bit, the Tony Hawk bit, and she was like, oh, no, I have heard of them. I knew I'd heard of them. And it was it was through that campaign. Um, 
So, yeah. I mean, what enables Red Bull to also do and have this playbook is the fact that they have highly, highly uh, profitable product. As I said before, like 10 cents a can, yeah, I had which no is idea. sold for three and a half dollars in a store, which means it's sold for dollar and 90 to the retailer. So yeah, you can do the math. So that's almost like 90% gross margin. So that's why 30% of all the costs of Red Bull is essentially marketing. This yeah. is billions, billions of dollars that go into, as you said, France, producing content, sponsoring the right athletes and so on. And Liquid Debt can learn a lot from this because they also have a product that doesn't cost a lot to make, but they we didn't even talk about the retail price until now. So the retail sure. price for this water, which is sold for like, which is, let's say created for 10 cents, it's sold around $2 in in a in a store and on Amazon so it's a huge markup huge but despite that company is not profitable why well let's first uh, do the whole story and maybe get to this in a bit first i just want to put into perspective how big liquid debt has become in such a short time so we're going to play our favorite guessing game trying to understand how big liquid debt compared to other companies. But this time we will do it a bit differently because I won't be comparing liquid debt to uh, companies from other industries, but we will compare them directly to other beverage companies. Interesting. So just as a warm up, let's first try to compare, um, compare liquid debt to, actually not compare liquid debt, but compare beverage companies among themselves. So first of all, comparing Coca-Cola with <laughs> Pepsi. But first ah. of all, Tom, are you all right? All good there? I think my camera overheated, so it's uh, decided to uh, change view. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's all good. <laughs> so for our podcast listeners, you will not know what we're talking about right now. But for yeah. YouTube viewers, no, the you will see that... Yeah. Uh, Tom's we lost camera sight. angle just changed. <laughs> yeah, we lost sight of Tom for a second and now the angle changed so you can see his whiteboard. Luckily, not read anything off of it. But let's <laughs> jump in, okay? So, uh, first of all, warm up, not a hard question. Which of these two companies is bigger, Coca-Cola versus Pepsi in terms of the revenue? Coca-Cola. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, both of you are wrong. That's what I thought as well. <laughs> Coca-Cola. <laughs> Coca-Cola 46 billion, Pepsi 91. It's just for the fact that Pepsi has diversified much more. Uh, just much more diversified. Restaurant change, right? Sorry? Yeah, restaurants. Yeah. Exactly. Now I remember. Great point. But you see what I did there? Yes, you always, thank you. <laughs> unexpected. Okay. Second, a bit harder, Red Bull versus Evian. Actually, I'm not sure how to pronounce this water brand. Evian, Evian, Tom? Evian. I couldn't hear you. What did you say? Evian is the way I've Evian. always pronounced it. Yeah. Okay. And France, you try to do it French way? Evian? Yeah, Evian. not going to do it again. Okay. <laughs> so, Red Bull or Evian, uh, which one has more revenue? Uh, mm, Evian. Red Bull. Yeah, Red Bull, 10 billion. Wow. So going back to 30% marketing spend, that's 3 billion directly spent into marketing. And Evian or Evian, 
Evian, basically five billion uh, in revenue. Okay, so getting the sense for the biggest players. Now let's jump into um, basically other bottled water, uh, and I will only compare them. Uh, I will, so now we will compare Liquid Debt to other bottled water brands in the US, because mm -hmm. at the moment Liquid Debt is only uh, sold in the US. So first, let's compare Liquid Death to Dasani. Dasani, water brand owned by Coca-Cola. So which of these two companies has at the moment, so this is from 2022 data, more revenue? Dasani or Liquid Death? France, Tom? Gobby Dasani, yeah. I've never heard of Dasani. So not, they take, it's, it's just yeah. tap water that they yeah. add minerals to. It's, yeah. Okay. Dasani. Um, and it's a Coca-Cola brand. Yeah. And it's only sold in the US. Um, is this, this is this is the data I have is only US, US number sales. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it has been around for longer. Yes, definitely. Yeah, then I go for this. <laughs> I for can Dasani, yeah. Yeah, yeah Dasani. It was, it's Dasani. 650 million in revenue. Okay. 650 million, okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's growing around 2% a year. Mm -hmm. Then we have Aquafina. Aquafina, water brand owned by PepsiCo versus Liquid Death. Uh, well, obviously now Aquafina. Yeah. So which one of the two has more revenue? I'm going to go with Liquid Death because I haven't heard of the other one. I also go for Liquid Death. So Aquafina actually is bigger brand than the Sony. It's 850 million in revenue. So again, Aquafina beats Liquid Death. Now it gets even more interesting. So let's compare Evian or Evian with Liquid Death. So let's compare Evian 2022 numbers with Liquid Death 2023 numbers because that's the only thing I could actually find. Um, so which of the two you think has more revenue? And is this now worldwide Evian or is it US? Also US, US Evian. Uh, US. Then Liquid Death. I'm, yeah, I, I mean, every bit of me wants to say Evian, but got a feeling it might be these guys. It is these guys, yeah. So just to show, I mean, Liquid Debt uh, estimatedly uh, made two hundred and fifty million in twenty twenty three. So just a reminder: the Sunny six hundred and fifty million, Aquafina eight hundred and fifty, and Liquid Debt is already two hundred and fifty. So started in 2019. 17, actually. I mean, as an yeah. idea, 2018 yeah. was the first year they had some revenue and 2019 was the first time they had serious revenue. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll go through the numbers now. But just to put this in perspective, the largest vendor of bottled water in the US called Blue Triton has 2.7 billion in sales. Um, yeah, Liquid that is already like a major player in this in this It's crazy industry. Where do they've come from, you know, in a completely independent brand as well Stars. exactly it's quite a story so this started in 2018 with 100k sold in their first month then in 2019 they sold uh they made revenue 2.8 million dollars in 2022 this jumped from 2.8 to 10 million and then in 2021 it jumped from 10 to 45 in 2022 jumped from 45 to 100 so more than doubled and then we don't have the exact 2023 numbers, but reportedly 
uh, or estimated number is 250 million, which is again more than doubled. At the same time, the water industry average growth over the last few years was 5%. And the wow. uh, growth of liquid debt is 230%. Sheesh. <laughs> huge, wow. huge delta. Huge. Yeah. That's just crazy. That is crazy, isn't it? Uh, and that brings us to an interesting concept for us designers, but also any entrepreneurs, I think, who want to learn about business. It's something that's called... Um, Triple, triple, double, double, double. <laughs> Have you heard of this? No. Sounds like coming from music. Is it a tri yeah, <laughs> or is it an event in uh, some sort of Olympics? Triple, triple, <clears throat> double, double, double. Very catchy. No, not heard of that. Yeah, it's it's something that VC investors use a lot. It's a growth pattern that they want their highest performers to, to of do. Of course they do. So it's like a benchmark. For growth hold companies. Right. Say this again. Of course they do. That sounds like a lovely, <laughs> lovely little place to get to. By the way, sometimes you see this written as T number two, D number three. Really? So that's triple, triple, double, double, mm, double. Okay. So basically what it means is uh, you want a company to triple in the first uh, two years in a row and then to double in the next three years. So let's now compare this. And by the way, this is usually used for SaaS companies. Yeah for like software companies, how, and, and it's it's a path for how to get to uh, a company that's worth 1 billion. So if we look at liquid debt's revenue trajectory from its first full year of sales, uh, we can see that it more than tripled the revenue. So they went from 2.8 in 2019 to 10 million uh, in 2020, and then they went to 45 million in 2021. Um, and then the progress is basically, yeah, so they basically tripled uh, in the first two years and then they more than doubled in the next two. And if they continue this, they'll definitely uh, become a billion dollar company because at the moment, well, at the moment they might be worth more. But in their latest investment, which was October, 2022, the company was worth on paper 700 million. And at that point, the revenue of the company was 100 million dollars which means the company was worth seven times the revenue and that's another interesting financial metric being used for these type of companies which is uh, the way they are being estimated and valued is a certain multiple of the revenue or profit but since liquid that is not profitable yet you look at the revenue so yeah liquid that is worth seven times the revenue mm -hmm. and pepsi is worth 2.5 times its revenue. So Pepsi uh, has 90 billion in revenue and 230 billion in the market wow. cap. So why the difference? Are you going to reveal or uh, is that, yeah. is that a different? <laughs> hey, I that think won't. the difference lies in the diversification. That they're diversification, not only, uh, but also growth potential. Yeah. yeah, beverage brand anymore and also the size in itself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like so Pepsi is much more mature. Rate. Yeah, it's uh, also different industries, as you said, France, and but mainly it's because yeah, uh, liquid that is just growing like crazy, um, and that's what gives a company higher valuation or multiple. So that's something you might hear also read in the newspapers: this multiples, and that's how companies are being 
measured. So each industry has its own average multiples of revenue for how much the companies are being sold. So that's something you can even Google. They can just look it up. Uh, I don't know, restaurant industry, average revenue multiple of a company, and you can see what the number is. And then you can start from this to see which are the most attractive industries for creating and selling a company for entrepreneurs, uh, but also indicates which of the companies kind of um, are are usually most profitable. Isn't SaaS you will see the like banking sector, banking, oh banking, insurance, yeah. SaaS, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, those are those are crazy. Yeah, a bit like it's interesting because we did we did cover this when we did the WeWork uh, episode where those valuations for WeWork were in the sort of they were positioning themselves as a tech company and it was getting like 10x valuations and then the people who were actually the incumbents were like valued to three three x like like what's that about and again it was a similar story of like diversification yep. and growth potential um so yeah i've always i've since then looked more into that and found it quite fascinating particularly in the agent design agency world like when people try and sell agencies the multiples are not great and it's such a hard business to be in anyway so what are the multiples there i think it's like two three x in the uk the revenue which is which yeah which is not not great i think in the states it's maybe a little higher but um yeah it also probably depends on the on the brand that the agency yeah. has yeah and, all, yeah. And the all team. kinds of factors yeah. around like recurring revenue and things like that but yeah maybe we should tear down an agency one day that would be interesting hmm it's a good idea uh so i promised you also some information about the cross margin of this uh profitability of liquid debt so i did tease and i explained that the company is currently not profitable which is what is to be expected at this stage of the company you know still trying to figure out how this company needs to be run, where do we need to invest our assets, and so on. And um, basically the problem Liquid Debt has right now is that 47% of its costs come from shipping costs. Well, all that water from Austria needs to get somehow yeah. to the US, and that just costs mm -hmm. essentially 50% of all the costs of a... Uh, of, a, of the company are just shipping costs, um, which is problematic, very problematic. And uh, But the company has a plan. So the plan for the company now is to find, as we discussed, local springs, local bottling companies. And the uh, hope is that they can bring this down to 20% in 2023. So this might have already happened, but we don't have any data. And then in 2024, the plan was to bring this down to 11% of total expenses. So both of these numbers are doable because other beverage companies have done it. Um, but it just shows how maybe in the beginning when you're starting with the company, you just take certain decisions just to get going, which turn out later to bite you. And then you just need to find another way. Um, and that's what the company is doing right now. So right now yeah. the gross margin uh, of liquid debt is 12% and an average typical beverage company gross margin is 50%. And just a reminder what gross margin is, is basically the money that stays with the company after it pays all the costs directly associated with making the product. So in this case, with liquid debt, that would be sourcing the water, the packaging material, the processing and bottling, and all the labor expenses that go with 
basically bottling. I mean, in this case for them, it's pretty simple because they don't do any of these things themselves. They yeah. just have one <clears throat> cost line, which is yeah, working with that Austrian bottler. Buying the cans. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if they would become a bottling company themselves, which is what Coca-Cola has done, then you mm -hmm. know that becomes a little bit more complicated. But then you can also have a higher gross margin. But I think their um, future is more like Red Bulls, where you focus on being a brand, focus on being a marketing company, and yeah. you just outsource uh, the product. Uh, yeah. And yeah, that, so it kind of works. Completely downstream oriented is what this is often called. So you don't... When you look at your own space place in the value chain, you only work on stuff that is consumer directed and you outsource everything that is directed backwards uh, towards sourcing and producing the company, uh, the, the product. Correct. Yeah. So the jury is still out. What will happen with liquid death? I think, I mean, I would say mm. actually, no, let's, let's go into our buy, hold, sell section. So now that we have learned all of that about the company, let's see how do we feel about it. I mean, I almost sh overshared, but I think we should start <laughs> with you, Franz. Um, how do you feel about it? Before we go into it, this is not investment advice. You actually cannot buy liquid debt stock. Um, so obviously it's not investment advice, but even if you listen to this podcast, maybe after the company has IPO'd, yeah, this is not investment advice. This is for entertainment. <laughs> And marketing purposes only. Um, yeah, interesting question because it's, um, I think you're all dependent on the current valuation of the company. So I think, so without knowing that, I think Liquid Death has a bright future for current investors. So for everybody who has money in there right now, I think it's, it's a good business uh, because as you said, um, everything is now currently set as a not very efficient business like sourcing on the other side of the world having to ship water in times where um ocean transport is not the best way to ship stuff or it's just expensive and highly um and highly um fluctuating in price um and by now the product category water in cans is so established that they will be able to find somebody in the US uh, to give them good quality water that is packaged in a can. So I think uh, the cost side will definitely go down. Um, and the way they do marketing which is already now very much um, effective and efficient in a way that they are not spending on airtime and spending on big um, on big uh, names to be advocated by, but what they're doing is they have really nailed, nailed this word of mouth and virality and almost everything they do feels like people who watch it will tell somebody about it. So it also feels like the way they do marketing is something that is, um, is a way that is... Um, high in return on investment so i think it's it's definitely hold and it's maybe also a buy what about you tom mm. I'm, I'm really torn because as as things stand like i i like a lot of the principles of the company i like the 
Mike seems like a solid leader. It, it plays to a lot of things that cult, like wider culturally I find interesting and funny. But I think it depends a lot on a few quite critical people at the moment. Like when you listen to podcast interviews with like the creative uh, head of creative and Mike and the fact they talk about their intuition and taste driving the company, I think it really feels like yeah. they are absolutely driving the marketing, uh, which we know is just critical to the success at the moment. And if the ideas dry up or their enthusiasm or they get bought out or something, I don't know, it feels like it could get old quickly. And uh, yeah, I don't know if I'll be finding liquid death videos funny in five years or it might be a bit like, oh, okay, this, this, That's an interesting this again. Thing. How long can you be pop culture? Yeah. I think at the moment it's edgy and, and kind of funny, but I think there's novelty factor in there. What I will say is they do the variety of what they do is really is really good. Um, so yeah, I'm a little nervous about that side of things. Um, and like you said before, I think if you were in early, yeah, lots of lots of potential upside. But yeah, I don't know. My my heart says yes. I would be in. I would be buying because I like the you know. There's a lot lot that kind of speaks to me, but I, I'm not sure my head would would be to be honest with you. Um, and also, although it talks a lot about the environmental aspects, there's a couple of big icks to me on the environmental piece. Number one is um, water as a paid for consumable when it's like. A human right just still doesn't quite sit right when you're trying to be very righteous about your product um and yeah there's still a big environmental impact of creating aluminium stuff and shipping it halfway around the world so yeah um i think i think i would be probably holding fight holding off probably a, a a no for me at the moment unfortunately i'll keep buying this what a but what a thoughtful answer! Man. That was that was that was a really good one. <laughs> I'll just keep it simple. Just purely from the business perspective, I think it's a simple buy from my perspective because they've only been in US until now. I mean, there's just so many markets they can still go into. Um, we can see with the numbers from Red Bull how big a market even for energy drink of that type is, which is ten billion. So I think there's just plenty of room still for them to grow. So I think there is still a lot of potential there. The the basic idea makes a lot of sense, which is very high gross margin product with an interesting marketing that is very hard to copy for the incumbents. So yeah, I think it's uh I I, I definitely see their um future as more bright than than dim. But of course, agree with everything no, Tom just everything said. You said Tom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> everything included in Tom's answer plus <laughs> this. What an interesting brand. Wait, I, I yeah. you know, I'm quite a contradiction. Um, you know, I didn't think I would get to the end of the podcast given that answer, actually. But um, yeah, fascinating, inspiring as a designer as well. Um, got to find, got to find that next category and try and sprinkle some of that that humor, that magic on it um yeah maybe design agency there's a few there's already the all the edgy, edgy agencies uh, but, um, ah, they yeah, are. Okay. yeah we'll find something this way as well, well like well with this humor maybe not with this humor <laughs> yeah. yeah is it your humor 
then uh, <laughs> if not then don't even try yeah 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 but i like how going into these like each of us does a certain part of research and then coming out of it i always have a bigger picture mm. and uh just i don't know what i'm gonna say in terms of buy hold sell until the Same. end and then it's always just super clear i thought they were way more pro- I, I i didn't look at the numbers at all um i um i assumed they were massively profitable alan so that was a real uh learning for me um shock shocker deadly deadly, deadly shock. shock um yeah interesting stuff yeah. cool i think cheers. that's it cheers everyone cheers to that see you in the next one but also if you joined if you enjoyed this episode and if you're enjoying liquid that you will also enjoy our mini mba which is just full of humor <laughs> maybe not as much humor as liquid that but definitely a little bit tiny a little bit width uh it's our mini mba which is a free seven day email course for all the designers who are looking to learn more about business um so you can sign up for this free email course at d.mba slash mini minus mba and if you do sign up you'll get seven emails over seven days teaching you business concepts relevant for designers so the next time you can also analyze a company like liquid death or lego or any other company that you're interested in just like we did today righty thanks see you on the next thanks, one Tom. thanks france bye-bye thanks everyone bye-bye